This will be in the book of Acts, chapter number 12. The book of Acts, chapter number 12. And again, it's a joy and a privilege to be in the house of God. So glad to see you here and to trust the Lord will help us today. And uh, need His help, need His touch, need your prayers that the Lord would help us. And I realize and understand that I can't do anything without Him. I need His help today. And uh, this week's been one of those weeks where I really was unsure about uh, the service and what the Lord would have us to do and had a lot of things uh, that ran through our heart and uh, read a lot of places and tried to meditate on a lot of things. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, yesterday was meditating some on uh, that uh, scripture and it was mentioned this morning in Sunday school. In the book of Luke 15, where the shepherd left the ninety and nine and went after the one that was lost in the wilderness and thought I might preach on that this morning, but really it just never would come. And this scripture kept coming to my heart and I kept meditating on it and it felt like nothing would ever come. And then this morning the Lord just began to put some things in my heart and so I need your prayers that the Lord would help us and I trust that the Lord will help us this morning in the house of God. Acts chapter 12, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I want to read the first 19 verses of this chapter this morning, Acts chapter 12, and then try our best by the help of the Lord to give you what the Lord has birthed in our heart for the service today. Acts chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now about that time... Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals, and so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. He went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. When Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. 
When he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. When she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. They said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. When Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. He went down from Judea to Caesarea and there... Abode. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'd like to this morning, if God would help me for just a few minutes and you'd pray for me, to preach on a praying church. A praying church. Now, here in the scriptures, we begin reading in verse number one. And the Bible starts off this way now about that time. And so it's important for us to understand the context in the time of what is taking place or has taken place as to what will take place in the coming verses. Now we understand and know as we picked up reading here in the book of Acts chapter 12, we know that in Acts chapter 2, that the day of Pentecost came, that day that the Lord in Acts chapter 1 told the disciples to tarry at Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. And so it happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 where the disciples and that multitude were gathered together all in one place and in one accord and there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house where they sat. And they were all gave utterance and the Bible said they began to speak with other tongues. There were in the company there all men from all areas of the world. They were all Jews that had come to Jerusalem for to worship but they were from different parts of the world by nationality. They were Jews but by their language they all came from other places and they did not understand how they began to speak one to another they couldn't figure out how all these men being Galileans were speaking and they were hearing in their own language they said we are Medes and Parthians and Elamites and strangers from Cappadocia and other parts of the earth and they thought that maybe they were drunk with wine Peter stands up 
filled with boldness and power by the Holy Ghost. And he says, ye men of Jerusalem, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, saith the Lord upon men. And so Peter preaches that day that faithful message about how did the Jews that they by wicked hands had taken the Lord of glory and crucified and slain him but God had raised him from the dead and he had been declared by power by his resurrection to be the son of God and so the Bible said that as Peter preached under the unction of the Holy Spirit that they were pricked in their heart that is the conviction that we talk about in our day they were pricked in their heart and they said what must we do and Peter says repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins now it was not that baptism was necessary for salvation or a hinge about being saved but Peter is preaching to Jewish believers and so he says if you're going to believe on him then you're going to have to be willing to make a testament and an open show to everybody that you have believed on this Christ and so he preaches there are thousands saved they all continue in one accord in one place steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in breaking of bread and in prayers then the word of God goes on and we understand that persecution arises against the church and that the Jews began to persecute the religious leaders began to persecute we know that story so well it was brought up in conversation this morning before the service it began we know about Paul who at that time was Saul that when Stephen was stoned they laid their coats down had a young man's feet whose name was Saul and the Bible said he breathed threatenings and slaughter against the church and he had in his hand letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way he might bring them whether they be men or women bound to Jerusalem to await trial and ultimately for many execution of course he met the Lord on the Damascus road in Acts chapter 9 and God took the greatest persecutor that the church ever saw and made him one of the greatest preachers that the church ever had ain't that amazing what a difference it makes I remember going up as a boy there was a couple that went around they sung and we might not agree in doctrine with everything kind of like what brother Tim was talking about the other day but they're both dead and in glory now but you can guarantee if they stood up to sing in the service God was going to show up and take notice and they always sung a song when Jesus passed by I sure am glad that everybody in the Bible that ever had an experience when he passed by left that experience different than when he came I'm glad if you ever have an experience for the Lord it will change you that's why Paul with confidence said if any man be in Christ he is a new creature not he might be not he should be but Paul had enough confidence in what Christ did for him and he said if you have that kind of experience you will be a new creature in Christ so Paul gets saved 
on the Damascus Road, God changes his name from Saul to Paul. But then between Paul going into the city to receive instruction from the Lord that the ship focuses, the focus shifts from off of Paul for a few minutes and it goes back on Peter and that's kind of where we pick up reading. And not until now the Gentiles have not been mentioned. But there's a man named Cornelius and he receives a dream. And he's in the dream he's told to send for Peter. And so he does. And Cornelius is a Gentile. And so Peter has received a vision before the messengers of Cornelius ever come. God's working on the other end. And Peter receives a vision and in the dream there's a sheet let down with all manner of beasts. Some clean, some unclean. And God says to Peter, Rise Peter, slay and eat. And Peter says, not so, for I'm a Jew and I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And God said, what I have sanctified, what I have chosen, call thou not common or unclean, but rise and eat. And it happened three times. And the third time, when the sheep vanished away, there was a knock at the door and said, Peter, we need you to come down and meet with this man called Cornelius and the Spirit of God said go and so Peter goes down ultimately Cornelius as a Gentile and his house are saved and as Peter preaches you can go home and read it just a few chapters back. Uh, Peter stands up after uh, uh, Cornelius is saved. Uh, Peter stands and preaches another message. The Bible said in verse 34 of Acts chapter 10, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And so he begins to preach. And the Bible said that while he spake these words in verse 44, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now we're talking about Gentiles. And the Bible said, and they of the circumcision, that is the Jewish believers, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the only Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so now Peter goes back and he commands them there to be baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost. And they goes back to Jerusalem and reports to the church there that Gentiles have been born again. And so all these things take place. It's here in Antioch where the Christians, both Jews and Gentiles, are first called Christians at Antioch. And so now all of this has taken place Paul's been saved. Pentecost has happened. Cornelius, the first Gentile convert, has been born again. The Holy Ghost has fell on the Gentiles. God has shown that he has, has no respect. It's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female, in the body of Christ. It's been reported back to the Jewish believers that God has extended his salvation. The Gentiles there, at first, they're a little bit skeptical, but when Peter reports and preaches to them that the Holy Ghost has failed. They all rejoice. Everything seems to be going well. Everything seems to be going forward. But the Bible said about this time, Herod the king 
stretch forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Now the word vex means to afflict. It means to torment. It means to bring to sorrow or anguish of spirit. And so now this Herod, if you studied genealogy and time period, it would be most likely Herod Agrippa. He stretched forth his hand to vex the church. Now the majority of scholars and, and commentators say uh, that Herod Agrippa was a proselyte Jew. And so because of the stir among the Gentiles, it stirred up the indignation in Herod to reach forth his hand and persecute the church. Uh, for the Bible said on down here uh, that when he killed James, uh, he saw it pleased the Jews. And when it pleased the Jews, he set out uh, to take Peter and to kill him also. Uh, so now everything seems to be going well uh, everything's going great uh, God's saving souls uh, the church is rejoicing uh, but then word comes uh, that Herod has killed James with the sword now I understand I'm trying to get where I need to be if you'll just bear with me for just a minute I understand that in the family of God there are no big eyes and little U's, but we have to have respect to who James was. James was one of those chosen three who spent more time with the Lord and experienced things that all the others didn't when we read in the Scripture that he took Peter, James, and John with him. James is the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, the ones that the Lord called the sons of thunder, that faithful man, that fisherman who had been called by the Lord and experienced great and mighty things who was an example and a hero in the faith to the Christians and the church in the early days and now word gets to them that he's been killed because of his faith and not only has he been killed but they have took Peter also and put him in prison now here's a group of people and they are Jew and Gentile. They are come from all manners, all walks of life. Some have money and some don't have money. Some uh, have great occupations and some don't have such great occupations. Some have a high name in the community and others are not known at all. But yet they have all come together as a part of the church. And now the Bible said when James has been killed and Peter has been arrested, the Bible said that there was prayer in verse number 5 made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So we see in the scriptures a praying church. Now the Lord put three things on my heart I want to give you and I'll be done and we'll be dismissed and we'll go eat in fellowship. Now I want to say first of all, I want to stay exactly in the context of this scripture. That's where the Lord has put my heart this morning. First of all, in the context of this scripture, the church has been pressed to pray. 
I mean, they've not just taken it upon themselves. They've not just chosen nonchalantly. They've just not thought it's a good idea. But based on all the things that James is dead, Peter's in prison, and they understand if God does not do something, that Peter is going to end up in the same shape that James is. And so it has pressed them to pray. I want to know this morning, have you ever been pressed to pray? Have you ever not just not had a ritual, not had a routine, not just to check it off your list? And unfortunately, that is the majority of the praying that the people of God do in our day. It's just a ritual. It's just a routine. It's just a habit. It's just a form. But I want to know, have you ever been pressed to pray? Like you felt there was nothing else that you could do. You'd been brought to the end of yourself and you understood if God did not do something in the situation things were not going to turn out well for you or anybody else and so it pressed you to pray I believe personally that's part of what the Apostle Paul meant when he said that he had been pressed out of measure that he had been brought to the end of his shell that he had been brought to the place that he couldn't do anything about it and the church couldn't do anything about it and so they had to turn to the one that could when nobody else could but ain't it a shame and I'll say my own fault that many times it takes us again to the place where we've tried all we can try and God it's the last resort but we get to the place where we know there's nobody or nothing else and it presses us to pray and often we don't like to be in that shape we don't like to go through whatever it is that has pressed us to pray but I thought about what old Charles Spurgeon said he said anything is a blessing that drives you to pray Now we don't like the storms. But as Brother Hobson preached last Sunday, if the storm drives you to pray, it becomes a blessing. We don't like the valleys. But if the valley drives us to pray, it becomes a blessing. Anything is a blessing. It becomes a blessing in our life. If it presses us, if it drives us to pray. And so while the church is undergoing what they're going through, I'm sure that they're not excited and they're not happy that James is dead. I'm sure that they're not excited that Peter's in prison and that if something don't happen, Peter's going to be put to death too. But something in the life of the people of God, in the life of the church has took place and God is using it in their life to drive them, to press them to pray. Have you ever been pressed to pray? Maybe you've come to a place and it's pressed you to pray. Maybe you've come this morning in your life. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt this ain't going to be probably real deep. Or I'm not a deep preacher anyway, but this is what's on my heart. And I've tried my best to pray and get along with God and get what He wants for the service. And it's like and nothing was coming. And all of a sudden this morning, I read this scripture afresh and God just started working in my heart. Have you ever been pressed to pray? Maybe you've been brought to a place. Maybe it's a place of decision. you got to make a decision. And it's pressed you to pray I've been asked before matter of fact not 
Too long ago, I was somebody texted me and they wanted some pastoral advice. And I want to say right now that I'll do everything that I can as your preacher. I love you. And God's put my heart here. And God's put my heart with your heart. And I'll pray for you. I'll give you all the advice I can give you. But I'm going to tell you that when you come to a place of decision and you got to make a decision, God will use that place to press you to pray. Maybe you've been brought to a place of decision. Maybe you've been brought to a place of difficulty. Something you can't get over. Something you can't push your way through. And you've tried this avenue. And it's a roadblock. You've tried another way. And you just can't get out. And you feel like you're trapped in the middle. And you're in the middle of a difficulty. And God's working it in you. And to press you to pray. You might not enjoy the difficulty. You might not enjoy the valley. You might not enjoy the storm. But if God is working it in you. And to drive you to a place of prayer. It will work for a blessing for your good. Maybe you're in a place of doubt, wondering and worrying about if this happens or if that happens or what. What will I do here? What do I do here? Oh Lord, are you there? Lord, do you care? Oh Lord, are you going to work? Lord, where have you been? I thought about Mary and Martha when Lazarus was sick and they sent for him. No doubt for three days they thought, Lord, where are you at? And now he's dead. And they thought, well, I don't understand why the Lord didn't show. And no doubt it put down in their heart and brought difficulty and discouragement. But I'm going to tell you it's in those times when God presses the church to pay. And so although they're not enjoying James being dead and they're not enjoying Peter being in the prison and no doubt Peter's not enjoying being in the prison but God has taken this situation. God has taken this difficulty. God has taken this dark day to pull the church together and press them to pay. Maybe you've come to a place that's pressed you to pray. Maybe this morning there's a person in your life. I'm just giving you what the Lord I know beyond a shadow of doubt. It's what the Lord gave me. Maybe there's a person in your life that God is using them to press you to pray. Maybe it's a family member and you're watching them make wrong decision after wrong decision, go the wrong way, do the wrong thing, make the wrong choice, go in the wrong direction, and you're not enjoying it, and it breaks your heart, but all the while God is allowing this for His glory and for your good, and He's using this person to press you to pray and to watch Him work. Maybe this morning there's a problem in your life, and it's pressing you to pray. The church had a problem in this scripture. James was dead and Peter was on his way. And here's the man. I mean, I'm not putting one above the other, but this is an early church. They had really just been born. And here's the man that preached the message on the day of Pentecost that the Lord used. Here's the man that God chose to send him to the Gentiles that brought back report that the Holy Ghost had fell on them. And here's now the man who's been put in prison to await execution. And it's pressed the church to pray. They have encountered a problem and it's pressed them to pray. I wonder about you this morning. Have you been pressed to pray? And I want to say, and this is how it's on my heart this morning, 
I want to say, if you have been, if there's an individual in the building this morning, according to the Word of God, if the church is to function as the body and the members are to have the same care one of another, and if one member rejoices, all the members ought to rejoice, and if one member suffers, all the members ought to suffer. And so if there's somebody in the building this morning that you have a person, you have a problem, you've been brought to a place and it's pressing you to pray, the church ought to care enough about each other that if one of us is pressed to pray, it presses all of us to pray. And so they've been pressed together to pray. Not only have they been, I, I told you I just got three things and I'll be done. Not only have they been pressed to pray, but when they pray, when the church has met together, now according to Scripture, after Peter gets delivered from the prison, he goes to a house where many were gathered together praying. So I don't know if they're all in one place, if some are at this house and some are at that house. But regardless, if they have been pressed to pray, they need God to move on this situation. And they have met together as a church, as a body, as believers, as a family to pray. And when they come together to pray, They've not only been pressed to pray, but they got a purpose in their praying. They've not come together just to see one another. They've not come together. Now, I thank God for fellowship, and I thank God to get to see you when we come to the house of God. But we're talking about serious business here. And they've come together. It's not to receive and exchange invitations and exchange greetings. But I guarantee you when they come through the door, probably not too many spoke to each other. I think they probably just fell on their face, and they went to pray. And you say, wow, they had a purpose. They've been brought to a place. God didn't do something. It was over for them. I wonder sometimes when we go to pray, how many times we pray with purpose. That we go to the prayer place, wherever it is we pray, and it's not that we just go through the motions. It's not that we've got our way and we all are guilty. We might as well all inside say, oh me, we all have our way and we all get in a rut and we all get in a routine. But I wonder when the last time that you've been pressed to your prayer place and you had a purpose when you got there and it wasn't about sounding good and it wasn't about what kind of words you could come up with and it wasn't about impressing nobody. It wasn't about impressing God and by the way he's not impressed anyway he just wants you to bear your heart that's why the book said sometimes that there are groanings we can't even mutter we don't even know what to pray as we all but thank God for the spirit of God that can make intercession when we don't even have the words now I wasn't there in Acts chapter 12 but I guarantee there's a lot of women and a lot of men bowed down to pray. And by the way, I'll throw that in right there. They all gathered to pray. And they didn't shut the women out. But they all gathered to pray. And I'm going to tell you, there have been some ladies along the journey that have probably prayed greater for me than a lot of men have. And so we better not overlook everybody that's saved in the family of God. We all have the same access line to God. And so there's probably a lot of ladies and a lot of men didn't have the words to say. I probably heard a whole lot of groaning and a whole lot of oh Lord and a whole lot of help Lord. But I'm glad they had a purpose. They knew God was in. Nobody else could do it. They didn't know nobody else to call. Wouldn't call anybody else if they did. They had a business had a purpose and to get a hold of God. And ain't it amazing now 
I want you to hear me this morning. I'm just preaching how the Lord put it on my heart. Ain't it amazing that it was not necessary? Now I understand that if Peter had been put to death, it would have been hard on the church. It would have affected the church. But none of them have been pressed to pray for themselves. None of them have a purpose to pray for themselves. It's over somebody else. But yet God has so put the church together that they can get pressed for somebody else. And they can have purpose for somebody else. And there's a whole lot of groaning and a whole lot of praying and a whole lot of crying for somebody else that needs help. I wonder this morning, I mean, I'm just preaching to us. Here we are on the side of the road on this Sunday morning in September. I wonder this morning, when's the last time that we've been pressed to pray and it wasn't about us and it wasn't about our situation and it wasn't about our circumstance and it wasn't the place we'd been brought to, and it wasn't the person in our family, and it wasn't the problem we were facing, and we had a purpose when we went to pray, but it wasn't for God to do something for us, but it's for somebody we love. You see, what it was is they loved Peter. They had all things in common, one mind and one accord, and so they were there praying for Peter as if they were the ones in prison awaiting execution. I wonder this morning when the last time is that we went to pray and we'd been pressed to pray and we had purpose to pray and we prayed like it was us in the place of decision like it was us encountering the problem like it was us in the battle like it was us in the storm and we prayed and agonized with God and had some purpose in our praying I said this morning I was going to preach on a praying church and that's what they were they were a praying church when problems arose, they didn't kick out and find somewhere else to go. They hit their knees and prayed. When problems arose, they didn't run to the bookstore and try to find a self-help book and go down yonder to the prison and say, Now, old Peter, oh, we know you're in the prison. We know you got chains on you. Oh, but Dr. So-and-so said if you'd do this or if you'd do that, if you'd have this following or if you'd follow after this, then God would get you out. That's not what they did. Oh, they went above the doctors and went above the books and above the people and above the church. Oh, they went to the one and the only one that could get Peter out of I want to say this morning and I'm done as far as I know this praying church was pressed to pray and they had a purpose when they prayed but according to this scripture they had power when they prayed I'm going to tell you there is power in a praying church I want to say that one more time I'm not trying to do it to sound good or like some of these, but I'm just telling you, you need to hear there is power in a praying church. Matter of fact, there was so much power that it was even unbelievable to the church what God had done by their praying. Now it's understandable that there was a stir among the soldiers. They don't know where Peter's went. They're looking for him. Herod kills the ones that were commissioned to keep him. But it's understandable that they that don't understand prayer were amazed. But the church was so amazed by the power and the answer of God's prayer that they were amazed, astounded, and they didn't even believe it was Peter at the door. There's power in a praying church. I was reading this morning. I 
And I, I'm very transparent when I preach and that's just the way God made me. And I don't feel led to read all the time and I don't just go running when I don't understand or running when I need, need something to preach, but I try my best. Now, I'm faulty, I'm human, I'm flesh, I know, but I try my best to be, to be led and follow the leadership of the Lord, and I just felt compelled to read. And I got over yonder, I got to reading what old Spurgeon said, and he said Herod had soldiers, but the church did too. And boy, it's like somersault started turning in my heart. Go back there and read it. The Bible said Herod took Peter and he didn't like Peter so much. The Bible said he wanted to get Peter so bad. The Bible said he arrested him and delivered him out of four quaternions of soldiers, which means there were 16 soldiers that were commissioned to watch Peter. And the Bible said that while the church prayed, Peter was asleep between two soldiers and he had two chains. Each hand was bound by chains. They tell me in history that it was not that Peter was bound to the wall or bound to the door but that Peter was bound to the soldiers that stood on either side and that there were keepers pull the door on the outside so that if somehow Peter overcame the two soldiers and got loose and got through the door there's some on the outside that could take care of the escapee before he ever got out of the prison it looked hopeless it looked like all hope was lost and yet in the midst of it all Peter's asleep I don't know if that did anything to you when you read that or not. But it done something to me. Here's a man that James, his friend and brother in faith has died. And he knows he's next, but he's asleep. In the midst of two soldiers, you say, how could he do that? Because somebody was praying. Have you ever heard? I don't know who wrote it. Maybe Kyle Rowland might have been the one who wrote it. I don't know. Brother Tim might know. But somebody wrote, somebody prayed me out of harm's way. Some spirit-filled child touched the Lord for me today. That's what happened for Peter. Peter might have been in a place he couldn't pray. Peter might have been so afraid he couldn't pray. But thank God the church, the Bible said they prayed without ceasing unto God for him. That's what the verse says. They are praying for Him. Not for them, for Him. And He's asleep. Now I don't know, it's not in the record that any of them went down yonder and saw the situation at the prison. It's not on record that any of them were there when Herod delivered Peter to 16 soldiers. None of that's on record. We don't know. They might have stood there and heard the judgment. Heard what? I don't know. But I do know they knew enough to know that if their God didn't intervene, if that same God that fell in the upper room, if that same God that fell at Pentecost, if that same God that spoke out of heaven to Paul on the Damascus Road, if that same God that called Peter to go to Cornelius' house, if that same God that received Stephen while his men stole, if that same God that ascended back and said, I'm coming back again if that same God didn't do something Peter was a goner and so it pressed them to pray and they prayed with purpose but all the while now they're down there praying and all that is going on in their mind all that matters to them is God do something for Peter 
And when Peter comes knocking at the door, the Bible said only one of them heard. You know why? Because all the rest of them was caught up in trying to get a hold of the one that could do what they could not do. Regardless of whether or not they knew how many soldiers, regardless of whether or not they knew what the gates looked like, they knew they couldn't go down there, they knew they couldn't get in, and if they could get in, they couldn't get Peter out. But I'm glad they knew the one that could go past the ward, go past the guards, go past the door, go past the soldiers, break the chains, and get him out, and he did. He did. Now somebody will say, God could have got Peter out without the church praying. He could have. But God in His sovereign plan chose to push the church to pray and to make the church pray with purpose. And He chose to honor the prayers of the church and put His power on their prayer and to produce wonder and awe in them and to increase their faith and establish them in the faith and let them know that this is what God honors. This is what God works on. And when we pray like this, we get God's attention. And so they've been pressed to pray and they're praying with purpose and little do they know they know the one they're praying to has got power. But little do they know that at the design of God, what kind of power them words, or maybe just them groanings, or maybe just them tears, maybe there's some ladies in the building that didn't even know what to pray, and there wasn't even no sound coming out of them like hand over yonder, maybe just some tears are falling down and are dripping on the floorboards, but God was taking every tear and saying, I know what you're saying, I speak heart language, I speak speak this kind of language and God was interpreting every tear and God was a-working and God was a-moving while the church was praying. And in slips the angel of the Lord past the guards. Now I want you to hear me. Let's take the Scripture for what it says now. Let's look at the Scripture. Don't take my words for it. Let's look at the Scripture and see what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that the soldiers were asleep. The Bible does not say that the guards were asleep. All the Bible says is that Peter was asleep. But the amazing power of God slips through the guards. The Bible said the angel of the Lord appeared and a great bright light shone in the prison. I don't know what the soldiers saw, what they didn't see, but all they knew is when they got up the next morning, Peter wasn't there. I don't know if they were asleep. It's not recorded in the Scriptures. Maybe they were. I don't know. But I do know one thing. God let them go to sleep thinking Peter was there and wake up the next morning and no Peter. And the Bible said there was no small stir among the soldiers what had happened to Peter. You say, what does that mean? That means they could not figure out how in the world he got off the chains that were hooked to the soldiers, got through the door and through the guards and out the gate and through both wards and into the city. The Bible said the gate of the city was shut and it opened of its own accord and the angel took him down one street and then vanished. And it was so unbelievable even Peter thought he was dreaming. I don't know what Peter thought. Maybe Peter thought, well, the Lord's just leading me on to glory and getting me out of here. But Peter just started to dream when the angel vanished. Peter said, I know the truth. God sent his angel and brought me out. 
And it's amazing to me that the first thing Peter wanted to do, he didn't want to run back to Herod, point his finger in Herod's face and say, I told you so, is he wanted to run to the church and say, I'm out. Look what God's done. I don't know if Peter knew this or praying, but Peter knew something was going on. And he said, i got to go back to the church. James has been killed. No doubt they're depressed. No doubt they're discouraged. No doubt they're in devastation. i got to go to the church and tell the church what God's done. And he goes and knocks on the gate. And a little old girl named Rhoda hears Peter. And I don't know, there's no conversation. But apparently Peter's saying, it's me, let me in. And she hears Peter's voice and recognizes it. Doesn't even see him, doesn't even open the door. She's so excited, she runs back in. Says, Peter's at the door. They said, you're mad. Now a lot of preachers would say they didn't have no faith, but apparently they had some because God answered their prayer. I think they were so distraught. I think they were in such devastation. I think their spirits were so discouraged that they didn't know what was God was going to do. And they never dreamed God could do such a thing or would do such a thing, but God did. And she kept beckoning and saying, you've got to hear me. I'm telling you right. And they opened the door and there stood Peter. And apparently they all got to squalling and all got to hollering because Peter beckoned with a hand and said, Be quiet! Hold your peace! He said, Let me tell you what the Lord did. And the Bible said He told them how the Lord had sent the angel and delivered him out. And I think something down on the inside went to clicking about how God had answered their prayers. And them Christians who were just a men to go on their face saying, God, why is James gone? God, why is Peter in prison? God, why are we going through what we're going through? God, if we're your church, why are we facing these things? God, we need you. God, help us. Them that were saying that just a minute ago were now shouting and singing the praises. And Peter said, don't hold it in yourself. Go tell all the brethren what he's done. So that leads me to believe they weren't all in one place, but they were all in one accord. There's praying here and a praying yonder. And Peter said, I've encouraged your heart. I've showed you what God could do. And now I want you to go out and tell them what God's done. I want to tell you this morning, there's power in a praying church. And I can't recall or remember all the times but I've been allowed and privileged to be in on some where we as a church have prayed. Somebody in the church has a burden. Somebody has been pressed and it's pressed the church. But I remember some of them services where that person come in and said, I want to tell you what the Lord did today or what the Lord did yesterday or what the Lord did last week. And sometimes I'll admit to my shame and my little faith, I've been like them men when Rhoda come in and said, you're crazy, you're mad, you don't know what you're talking about. But the more they talk, the more the Spirit of God worked in me and I went from the bottom to the top again, went from discouragement and having faith and wanting to go on. You say, what happened? And God showed there's power in a praying church. Yes, sir, Peter's in prison and it's pressed them to pray. And when they went to pray, they prayed with a purpose in mind. 
Now, I want to say this, and I think I'm done. When they went to pray, I don't think they went and told God how he had to do it. I think now some of them might have had a good idea about how to do it. But I'm going to tell you, when you've got a purpose in praying, and you're really pressed to pray, you ain't going telling God how he ought to do things. You're just going begging for mercy and saying, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. However and whenever. I remember that story, and I'm not much of a storyteller. I'm not faulting any preacher that is, but I'm just not much of one. But I think it fits pretty good right here, and I'll be done. I remember that story, Brother Hanley, may be told about that mom and daddy in a meeting where he was preaching. They come in the first night. The mama stood to her feet and said, we want you to pray for our daughter. She said, we live by the highway, and she decided she didn't want to live by our rules anymore. She said she packed her bags and said, I heard one of the Jake brakes on one of them big trucks come to a halt and she climbed on board with some man she didn't know and off she went to where we don't know. We don't know where she's at tonight. But we want you to pray for our little girl. God bring her back home again. And the nights went on and the nights went on and every night, I think if I'm telling the story right, and Brother Tim's probably heard it more than I have, Richard maybe said that woman would stand and say, pray for our little girl. And I think he said on Thursday night, that man and woman come walking in with a girl with him in her blue polka dotted dress and said the service started and she stood to her feet. The mother did and she said, I want to tell you what the Lord did. She said, we went home from service last night and said we got into bed and we cried and held each other and rolled around and she said about that time my husband crawled out of bed and she said I heard him swing the storm door open and off down the hill across the corn he went and down on the other side and she said I heard him say and all I could hear she said he said God some way somehow I don't know what you think but I think that's what the church was praying for Peter God some way somehow get him out of prison and she said, I don't know how long he prayed off down yonder. I just kept hearing him saying, God, some way, somehow. But she said, evidently he got a hold of the Lord because he quit praying and come back. And she said, I heard him knocking the corn over as he come. Slammed the screen door, laid down the bed, said, turn over, Mama. God said, it's going to be all right. You say, preacher, God don't work that way. I'm not going to be mean, but I'm going to be honest. You should say as far as you know. God don't work that way because He does. The God I serve does. And she said this morning, we're sitting in the kitchen. I was washing dishes. Looking out that same road, she went down and Daddy was sitting at the table reading the paper. And she said, all of a sudden I heard one of them truck brakes again and it pulled up in the driveway. And she started saying, Oh, Daddy... Oh, Daddy, said that door of that truck opened. And all she stepped and she said, I just kept saying, Oh, Daddy, oh, Daddy. And he never checked up, never looked up, never laid the paper down. He said, I know, honey. She's a coming down the sidewalk. She's got that blue dress on, don't she? You say, God don't work that way. Oh, yes, He does. Oh, yeah. 
He said, down yonder in the corn patch, I got a hold of God. And he said she'd come home today and she'd have that blue dress on she left in. And here she is tonight. You say, what happened? God honored a praying church. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. Even in them days, you don't know how to pray. Even in them days, you don't probably pray as you ought to pray. Have you ever been to a place where you probably didn't pray like you ought to pray? But deep down in your heart, you were touching God. I've been in one of them days. I remember, I, I don't know why I feel like sharing this or why the Lord's tugging on my heart. But I remember I was at work one day at the garage where I worked during the summer. And I got a call on my wife from my wife on the phone, and she was hysterical on the other end. And she said that one of the girls has fell out of the, the rocker and on the stone tile. And she said her head's a swelling. I don't know what to do. And I jumped in the car. I told my boss, I said, I'm gone. Do whatever you need to do. I'm not staying. I'm going home. I ran home. I got her. I text people in the church. I said, please pray. We run to the emergency room. My mother called ahead. They took us right in when we walked in. And they came to me and got my little girl out of my arms and took her away from me. And I walked outside of the ER waiting room doors and I thought I could pray. And I'm going to tell you how I prayed. I said, God, you can't. You can't take my little girl from me. That's what I told God. God knew my heart. My mouth might not have said the right words, but He knew how I felt inside. I said, you can't take my girl away from me. And the Holy Ghost said, who are you to tell me what I can and I can't do? And my spirit humbled in me and I said, you're right, God. I know you can, but I really don't want you to. And he did, and she's sitting on the pew this morning. Not because of something I did, not because I'm a good prayer, not because I had fancy words, but that's just who God is. That's the same God we serve. And I'm telling you this morning, there's power in a praying church. I've had some of you call and some of you text and Say, I need you to pray right now. And I'm not bragging on me, but they've been some days I couldn't go to the prayer place. I couldn't get by myself. I couldn't turn everything off. But I'm going to tell you, your heart can cry out. But when your mouth can't cry out, I'm glad God can hear them prayers. When you're pressed to pray and you've got a purpose in your praying, there's power in it. And God can't answer your prayer. I wonder this morning while we stand all over the house, I'm done. It's just us now.